1: 630 Ched and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present The Show That Is Everything Oilers Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex Office supplies at huge savings Yeah, Digitex does that D-I-G-I-T-E-X C-A On Oilers Radio 630 Ched. It is
0: 106 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob and Brendan Escott, with you on Oilers now, which has been brought to you for the eighth consecutive season by Digitex. Hugh Porter and the staff at Digitex, Digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. News of the day today: Mike Smith back at practice. He is going to start tomorrow. Kyler Yamamoto. Out. It's going to be held out for a couple games. Took a, a hard shot from behind, right at the Oilers bench, late in the third period. Was not on the ice. The Oilers had McDavid, Drysdale, and Pulleyarvey together. Nugent, Hopkins, centering, uh, Zach Hyman, and Kyle Turris. Interesting. And then uh, Fogel was with Derek Ryan and Zach Cassian. Uh, McLeod centering Benson and Colton Sevier. And tourists off of the line with Perlini and Shore, who've played a bunch of preseason games. I wonder if they are out for tomorrow. Uh, we do expect Chris Russell to play against the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow in a with Evan Bouchard as well. Of course, you can reach us at any time at the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline at 780 496 The River Cree Resort and Casino. Excitement. Bet on it. And uh, you can also text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. We're on Twitter, out of now. You can tweet me personally, Bob underscore Stoffer Brendan Escott, big part of the show. He is at Brendan with two Es, Escott with two Ts. As we head off to the River Curry Resort and Casino Hotline. And we are pleased to be joined by Provincial Affairs columnist and Cult of Hockey writer for the Edmonton Journal. We welcome back to the show David Staples. Hello, David. Hey, Bob. Uh, Brian Lawton making people's day here in oil country, joining us from London earlier today, like 20 minutes ago, and saying that the uh, the analysts at NHL Network were uh, supposed to make one bold prediction, and his bold prediction is the Edmonton Oilers will win the
1: Stanley Cup. <laughs> Brian Lawton's the best. <laughs> hey? He's a smart guy, Bob. He's a very, very smart guy. And it's not a crazy prediction. Of course, I'm an Oilers fan. I write as an Oilers fan about the Oilers. So, you know, I was hopeful last year they could win the Stanley Cup. But, Bob, this is, this is a very good team. And, you know, it. when you look at all these great superstars... Almost all of them, by their seventh season, have won the Stanley Cup. Merrily Mew, the Pittsburgh Penguins finished, I think they finished ninth in the NHL in his seventh season, ninth in the standings, but they won the Stanley Cup that year. So um, I think the Oilers, they've got a lot going for them. They are definite Stanley Cup contenders, and they're starting to get their due. Like People like uh, Dom Lesition of The Athletic had them ranked sixth. I mean, I almost fell out of my chair when I saw that. But... uh they're starting to get a little bit of credit from uh, people outside of Edmonton.
0: Well, yeah, and it, you know, and we should mention Brian Lawton was the same guy 2 years ago at the start of the 1920 first of all, he was the guy that told us Dave Tippett was going to get the job, right? Like yep. before He's anybody else had Dave Tippett on the radar screen. Then, uh Brian was the guy that said the Edmonton Oilers were going to make the playoffs at the start of the 1920 season. And lest we forget, the Edmonton Oilers were second in the Pacific Division when the lo- when we got shut down during the 1920 season. Uh, Edmonton was the fifth uh, team out of the West and ended up playing Chicago number 12. And everybody, oh, it's a massive upset. I, I actually had this conversation, an extended conversation, uh, with uh, an experienced player about this. I'm like, Chicago had three Hall of Fame players. They finished 11 points behind the Oilers during the course of the regular season. This was a whole new world in the bubble. We and what we did not know, David, at that time, was the severity of Clefbaum's injury. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure he wanted to come back and play. He didn't play very well. And if he was that hurt, it makes sense. Larson didn't finish the series. They didn't get a save when they needed to save. And they lost Game Three and Game Four, two one-goal games that could have gone either way. And everybody, you know, and then we had people saying, "Well, it's McDavid and Drysaddle's fault." And Nugent Hopkins, when those guys combined for 21 points in a four-game series. Now, last year's loss to me against Winnipeg is a little different because Hellebuck put up a 950. Edmonton lost three one-goal games. There hasn't been a much, as much criticism, but people forget the team actually was pretty decent in the regular season, 1920. And Lawton was the guy that called it. He was the guy that called it the fall that year, saying Edmonton's going to be a playoff team. Make no mistake. So I do find this interesting that his bold prediction, and obviously, look, we're looking
1: at this through the proverbial Oiler goggles on never yeah, say I, never I, I we don't like i don 't know his prediction record, like like you know how many of his predictions have, have turned out to be true, but he he he's a bright guy, uh, so Lyician of the athletic has them six evolving wild, who, which is another heavy analytics site, um, they only have the orders thirteenth so and with the uh, has them at one hundred and one points, and evolving wild has them at ninety ninety four point eight points. Bob it's it's I don't see with the team that they have now how this team isn't going to be the best team of the McDavid era. I mean you add Zach Hyman you have uh, you have arguably when it comes to top two lines in the nhl like you know first line second line is there a team in the nhl that has a better first and second line than the edmonton orders if there is it's a small list and and i don't think i don't think there is because you have mcdavid and dry now you have nugent hopkins and hyman and you have a couple three other options in yamamoto pulley rv and fogel who are really really good options so they have a number one d-man what held them back a couple of years there was they lost their two number one demons sakura and, and oscar Klefbaum. i mean this was a huge hit on the oilers in that era they've got darnell nurse he's a number one d-man he's a true number one d-man in net a lot of a lot of worries but mike smith had a good year last year Miko Koskinen had a good year the year before. Between those two guys, there, it's it's a pretty decent bet. I think one of them is going to have a good year this year. I mean, I think it's crazy talk. Power play awesome, and they're a young and improving team. They have all these things going for them, plus they have two superstars. So it is lining up that this team should be able to compete for the Stanley Cup. Of course, they got to win a playoff series first. So
0: No, they do, and they won a playoff series back in 16-17, and, yeah. and really – you lose three one-goal games to the Anaheim Ducks and you don't get any uh, productivity out of uh, Lucic, uh, Nugent, Hopkins, and Everley at even strength in that series. They didn't score an even-strength goal. Uh, that yeah, was your. And si-
1: got knocked out, right? Secker yes. was knocked out of that series. Their best, you know, in the regular when season. When you lose a seven-game
0: series, like you know, I hey, the owners have got to prove it here. I do. I think Edmonton's a Stanley Cup favorite. No. Do I think Edmonton can win the Pacific Division? Yes, I do. It. I also think they can win the Pacific because of a bunch of other reasons, including that I don't think Vegas is as good as they've been. And I have all the respect in the world for what Vegas has done. They're just not the same team they once were. They don't have Mark Andre Fleury, and they're light. Uh, in the proverbial ass down the middle, they're 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 lacking a lit, little bit at uh, at uh, center.
1: Yeah, I, uh, and uh, you know, evolving wild had the crack ahead of the orders. I just don't see it. I mean, I don't I don't get that at all. So we'll we'll see about that. But
0: but, but evolving yeah. wild, that he's he's never been there. I don't know what statistical... I I tend not to look at that guy's work because it seems to me it's been somewhat disparaging. Did he not have a couple years ago, like McDavid and Dreisaitl, not as good as... I forget who...
1: Who? On, they had dry... Yeah, he had... On what plan? On what plan? <laughs> Nakushkin raked, raked ahead of Leon Drysaddle. We had a lot of fun with that one, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, I want to hit on a couple other things with you here, David. And we're going to start with Duncan Keith, because there's lots of questions about the orders. and Duncan... First of all, I... Uh, there is a there. I <laughs> a... I don't know how much we should open up on this, but let's get after it. Your thoughts on the analytics, guys, on the orders and Duncan Keith. Go
1: for it. Well, they uh, they again going back to evolving wild. They tweeted out this week. He's he's the third worst defenseman in the NHL, and um, I, and again the, these are people that said Nakushin was better than Drysaddle. So keep that in mind. But there, it's not just them. The, if you go by on ice analytics, so if you if you rank a player by how his team did on the ice, not how he, not you know drilling down to his individual activities, just how the team did, it turns out Keith. Doesn't look like a very good player, you know. that's probably because he was with terrible players um, in Chicago, or or young, inexperienced players. To be fair to them, people who are who have a big learning curve. And if you're with a bunch of weak teammates, you can have bad on ice numbers. I mean, Bob, in in 2019-20, Connor McDavid was one of the best players in the NHL. He had bad on ice numbers. He, you know, if you looked at his on ice numbers, he was like a third, you know, ranked about 300th in the NHL on it. All kinds of categories on these uh, Corsi-Fenwick kind of categories, expected goals. But he was still Connor McDavid and a great player. His on-ice numbers were dragged down because of his teammates. And and that could be the case with Keith. I don't know. I didn't watch him play last year. I can't say. I have questions about Duncan Keith and Cody Ceci. But I think the key for Oiler fans and all of this is just just. And this is what the team's going to do: be patient. These are new defensemen. Uh, these are new defensemen to the Edmonton Oilers. Experienced defensemen, but with a new team, they're they're learning their teammates, learning the systems. I'm going to be waiting. 5, 10, 15 games into the season before I start to overreact with any kind of, like, oh, this guy's really good or this guy's really bad kind of opinion. Because I think it's important to be patient, let these guys settle in, and let's see what we have.
0: It's interesting. There's people out there uh, that think that the auditors don't do any analytics. Kurt Levins from The Cult of Hockey wrote an extensive piece two weeks ago where he referenced Brad Holland's involvement in the decisions that brought in both Hyman and Fogel. And uh, the the- you can have guys that are the vice president of analytics in a company and assume if they're a VP status, people get it, right? There's managers, there's directors, and then there's VPs. That's kind of how structures work in a lot of organizations. Oh, VP of analytics. You don't know how much the VP of analytics is actually... Now, I'd say in the case of New Jersey, they're probably being used, though they most likely weren't used that much on Mason Gertzen. So who is a tough guy who's got a very specific role. They claimed him off waivers the other day, and they didn't claim him off waivers to play down on their firm team. They claimed him off waivers because their division got tougher and they needed a guy that could chuck him. Uh, where I'm going with this is we don't always know who's influencing what decisions, but I would tell you that as a rule of thumb, the person that's closest to the general manager or one of the people that's closest to the general manager – if that individual happens to have a strong analytics base to their assessment, that's an organization that's, that's got some analytics uh, taking place. And Kurt wrote a piece about Brad Holland's work uh, specific to the targeting of Zach Hyman and Warren Fogle. Uh, because I know there's the perception, well, the Oilers must not do any analytics if they traded for Duncan Keith. I'm guessing that the Oilers are betting on Keith. Just like out in Vancouver, they're betting on ekman larson And it's established, David, ekman larsons a better player at this stage in his career than Duncan Keith. They're yeah. betting on those guys to get out of the negative energy vortex as they were in. Keith in Chicago, ekman larson in Arizona, and bouncing back and playing. But I think it's a little bit disingenuous to suggest, well, there's no analytics being done in Edmonton. How do you know? Who do you talk to? Like I talk to guys, I know who's influencing what decision. Or let's rephrase it: I know who's who's got the ear of certain people, and which individuals are more open to analytics than maybe people think, and they might be a little bit surprised.
1: Well, yeah, they, it might be good for the Oilers to put Brad Holland out there and to talk about some of the analytic work that he did then on on Fogle and uh, and Hyman to see see what he's thinking about, see what he's looking at. I mean, I think the key to analytics and there's the publicly available analytics that everybody has, the on ice numbers, but yep. the re, the real NHL work is done when they drill down into individual actions of players. and, and you, you could ask Brian Lawton about this. This is this is what they're you know where, where they're looking at things like how how many times does he go to the net and what's his, you know what happens when he goes there you know how many hard plays at the net is he making just individual stuff like that and there's tons of categories they can dig into and nhl teams are doing that and they don't generally that's all private data there's companies doing that as well um that are doing that so do the Oilers have access to that? Do they do that? It sounds like the Oilers did that um, uh, with these two players. I don't know if they do it uh, with all players in the league, so they have comparative numbers or not. But, uh, yeah, it's it's an unknown exactly what they do. They can rectify that if they maybe put Holland on the stage and talk about it a little bit.
0: All right. Uh, well, you know what? Maybe I'll even do that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, This text comes in, David. uh, Evolving Wild is the biggest joke on the Internet. They don't deserve to be mentioned on your airwaves. I don't think they're a joke. I disagree with their position. Uh, I I do not think they're a joke. And this texter comes in saying, I'm not worried about Keith 20 games in. I'm worried about CeCe. I hope he's good, but he's not the guy I would have signed to a four-year deal, mostly because I don't see uh, how he could pair with Keith, and I don't see how Bouchard or Barry uh, pair with Keith. Larson was the guy, but I would have tried everything to get Logan's Stanley for that pair. Logan Stanley will be a force. Well, Logan, Logan Stanley's a left shot. And when you're talking Larson and you're talking Bouchard and Barry, they're all right shots. But for the Texans on Logan Stanley, I think he's going to be a heck of a defenseman as well. So
1: they wouldn't. They wouldn't trade. Logan Stanley based on his playoffs. A, like he looked like a horse, like a monster. He's a first
0: there. round pick. On yeah, it, it, there you go. All
1: right. Yes, Apolly Arby. Is there something to be said for patients? Oh, Bob. We see it. I, I just, it just hit home again today. We saw Volkov. I think his name's first name's Alexander Volkov. He used to be in Tampa. Yeah. Uh, and there was a rumor. I was and I tracked it back when I saw his name on the waiver wire today in Anaheim. I, I, I looked and and in, in, uh, in 2019, September 2019, Elliot. Friedman Even had put out a tweet where he mentioned uh, that there was rumors around Volkov and Poliarvi. And a pick. It was Volkov and a pick for Poliarvi at that time. Is that right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that shows you the patient approach. Ken Holland came in here, probably hearing a lot from a lot of fans maybe even the majority of fans and maybe from people on the team as well I, I can't speak to that but you know trade Polyarvi would have been the message trade this guy he's he's gone to Finland he's betrayed us like he's you know he's no longer in the Oilers family blah 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 and Holland decided to take a look at him himself. And he'd been through the, the this before with a number of other players. He's referenced this in the past where he's worked with players, waited for them to come around, and eventually brought them back into the fold. He'd done that before, and he wanted to ha- make up his own mind, see the player, make up his own mind, and, and is it ever paying off? I mean... We'll see where Pugliarvi goes, but he's just, you know, we he looks like the player who, you know, merited such a high draft pick uh, in 2016. He David, like look, that guy. I, full full disclosure here.
0: I don't want anybody to, again, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group. I was in Carolina when Marcus Lato met with key Oiler management personnel late in the 2018-19 season, okay? That was a troubled relationship when that happened. And I would have been prepared to have, you know what, I'm looking at Paul and I was looking at what was happening with Henrik Bergstrom in Florida. And I saw Bergstrom play in Denver in college. I'm like, well, he's a center. He can play as a third-line center. The owners need a third-line center. I'm not sure Paul going to ever be a first-liner. Like, I wasn't sure at that time. And and if anybody sits and says, you're an idiot, Stauffer, you could have seen it in 17, 18, and 18, 19, you're full of crap. You're full of crap if you saw that, but I wanted him to play more. He started playing more, and he played himself right off the team at stretches. So, but what I will—he he had he had some issues with his hip. Yeah. But what's two things happened? Ken Holland came in, experienced general manager, and Acme David got bought by Wasserman Orr. and Jeff Jackson is the head of Wasserman Orr. and that's Connor McDavid's agency.
1: Yeah. The the agents, Bob, and you you get this across. You tr- you hint at it strongly. The relationships, agents, relationships. The, agents, the agents, run the league on a, uh, like to a large extent. They're the ones who decide where the players go to a large extent. They have a ton of power, and when there's a change of player going to different agency, he's now with Connor McDavid's agency, Pullyarvey. Things change. He's still with Marcus Leto, but yeah,
0: but. You know, hey, we can bridge this. Let's bring him back here, and and you know, con- and con- now Connor's more invested in him as well, right? As a player,
1: and then Paul Yarvey came in and delivered, David. He did last year. It's the way he played. He sure did, and and I give Tippett credit. Like you know. Puljarvi started out on a line with Turris and that line was getting caved not cuz of Puljarvi but sometimes the rookie can, you know the younger player can get blamed when things go wrong he didn't do that instead he promoted him to the top line and and he kept him there there were some iffy games for Poliarvey when he first went up there and again this speaks to the need for both the coach and the fans like everyone have a little patience with players see how it works out and and Tippett had that with Poliarvey. he gave him every opportunity and then some last year and Puljarvi uh he sees that opportunity
0: david staples cult to hockey david we want this whole conversation uh without ta- without talking uh you- you're not just you're not just the cult of hockey writer along with uh, the aforementioned kurt levins and uh, bruce mccurdy it was good to see bruce out at training camp for the first week or a half there but you're also a provincial affairs columnist and i know that you mentioned on twitter today you don't see us getting another lockdown is that correct
1: I I don't think Bob. um, I I think that if this was any other time in the pandemic, we would have a big lockdown by now. But major major things have changed, and the, the biggest the biggest thing that changes with vaccination. I think people who are vaccinated are really leery about um locking down again uh for the unvaccinated because there's just a realization like you can bring in whatever rules you you want we already have every rule we need for the unvaccinated people not to get COVID. they're not supposed to have meetings in the in your in their own home like get have get togethers in their home that's the number one route of transmission by far in the province is people getting together in their homes that rules in place unvaccinated people are not supposed to be doing that if they follow that then we won't, then we'll be out of this crisis. But bringing in a bunch of rules on fully vaccinated people, it's not going to make a difference. If, if it was, if it would, then I think people would be more supportive of the idea. But uh, because everyone is well aware of the crisis in the hospitals, but it's just you can bring in whatever rules you want. If unvaccinated people aren't going to follow them, it's not going to work. All right. The
0: province of Alberta, as of yesterday, 12 plus, 70, 75.1% fully vaccinated of course Canada is over 81% fully vaccinated 12 plus 12 plus single shot one dose at 84.5 in Alberta 12 plus does that mean we will likely will get to 12 plus 80% uh or more fully vaccinated David what do you think
1: I think so. I think all the people who have got the single vaccination, or just a really high percentage of them, will get fully vaccinated. And with the vaccine passport system in Alberta, it's just it's tough to get to to work, to do all kinds of stuff if you're not fully vaccinated. So I do think we'll get there, Bob. And I and you know there's some indication the numbers were lower, the positivity rate, and the number was lower yesterday. We've plateaued at a fairly high plateau of cases, but there, we are starting to like just trend down a little. bit Bit, so fingers crossed that continues. David, how do people follow you? Uh, at D Staples on Twitter.
0: There you have it. That is David Staples from the cult of hockey. Thanks, David. Talk next Wednesday. Thanks, Bob. All right, there's an old saying in the car business at 127 in Edmonton cars cost less in Wetasquin. As we know, uh, vehicles are in short supply everywhere. Brent Ridge, Ford, Wetasquin, want you to know I got a, some Broncos in stock. You can reach them, and the boys there will send a video for you. Better yet, swing by Brent Ridge Ford. They're taking care of all those sort of protocols that you need to to run a business these days. Brent Ridge Ford is your Ford truck authority on the Auto Mile in Wataskiwin. I saw a buddy of mine from Wataskiwin. He is a uh, a legend. It's great seeing Miles last night. That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, I don't think he's shaved since the paleozoic era but uh he was definitely looking full-on like joe thornton only a little bit older 128 in edmonton off to a global news weather traffic update with eileen bell when we come back our nhl insider john shannon
1: oilers now with bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on oilers radio 6 30 chad